as we continue our series on essential passages in the Bible. Today we come to the letters included there. Our reading comes from the letter to the Church of Ephesus, chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Those wishing to read along with me can please turn to page 236 in the New Testament. The pressing theme for the entire letter, as in many letters, is the unity of the church. Let us listen for what the Spirit is saying to us today's church. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. May God bless all who hear with understanding. So the idea is that we have different uh, parts of the Bible, different things in the Bible, different uh, sections, different kinds of writing, and uh, we've been trying over these weeks, uh, today and one more, to think about something in each one of those sections that expresses something essential about that part of the Bible. Because it probably expresses something important about who we are as people who claim the Bible and who are claimed by the Bible, right? So we looked at uh, something from the law. We looked at something from the prophets. We considered uh, something out of Proverbs as representing what's called wisdom literature in the Bible. We looked at a key verse, a key passage from the Gospels. We looked at um, one of our favorite Psalms. And uh, today we come to really, uh, frankly, what draws me to this passage is this phrase. Because I think this phrase gets at something that is essential to understanding all those letters that we find towards the end of the New Testament. These letters that are written on the one hand to address certain pastoral needs, but also to put forward uh, their particular author's understanding of what uh, matters, what is true. So there is always some kind of doctrinal expression, some kind of concern with what we believe and what we express. And it is often in conflict with the writer's belief that that truth has somehow been compromised 
or it is in conflict with some people who are putting forward something very different from that truth. You heard verse 14 right before this phrase that uh, uh, aspects of the church are being blown about uh, uh, by the winds of doctrine, by disagreements over beliefs, and also by trickery, by people who are deliberately, the writer believes, putting forward something contrary to the truth. But these letters are also trying to hold together diverse and sometimes divided communities. And doctrine will weave in and out of those pastoral concerns, the corrections that are offered, the encouragements that are offered. Paul, in particular, sometimes seems to walk a very fine line, not wanting to tip the doctrine over into this crazy group of people, not wanting to tip it over to that insane group of people. And he is trying to convey the truth in a, in a way that still helps the community think about what it means to live in love. The dilemma, the, the, the tension between truth and love. So let me tell you, the cheap way to, to uh, uh, plan a sermon that I almost never use is just to kind of look up quotes from other people on certain words. So I took the cheap way out. Uh, uh, I looked up quotes on uh, uh, the, kind of that intersection between truth and love, right? What could I find? I actually have a book because I need to have a book, uh, not just the interweb, you know, uh, a book on quotes from women. Because when you start looking up quotes on almost anything, what you get are a bunch of guys. Some of them have something worth saying, right? Blaise Pascal was a theologian and a mathematician a long time ago, right? Um, I wouldn't suggest, uh, it means he studied God and he studied math. And I wouldn't want to suggest that we have a lot of mathematicians now who don't care about God and we have a lot of God people who don't care about math, but I think we could use more people in the world who study God and math like Blaise Pascal. He said, truth is so obscured nowadays and lies so well established that one has to love the truth or we'll never recognize it. Does that seem a little cynical? Lies have taken over? I don't know. Uh, and and uh, what if we love different truths? Does that seem a little too complicated? I don't know. I like Blaise Pascal. Uh, Vaclav Havel was uh, the uh, champion of, of democracy when uh, the Czech people transitioned from communism into democracy. He was the, the first real democratically elected president of Czechoslovakia. Uh, for the first time in a long time, he was the last president uh, because after him they, they split into two and he was the first president of the Czech Republic. Quote from him is, uh, truth and love will overcome lies and hatred. I, I have to admit, when I hear that quote, I see that quote, my reaction is, I wish. Um, is that too cynical? You know, I wish, I wish. Uh, but is, is he being too idealistic? What do you think? Uh, <laughs> this is my book on women's quotes, right? Lady Mary Wortley Montague, my goodness, who is she? Well, she said at one point, actually wrote to a friend, I bear 
Uh, I hear it said, I look better than ever I did in my life, which is one of those lies one is always glad to hear. <laughs> that, uh, first of all, it sounds like a stereotype about women, right? That y'all are just concerned about how you look and you want people to lie to you about how you look. So just let me say something about this woman who I didn't know anything about until I looked up this quote. You know, she's wearing a turban because she was married to the British ambassador to Turkey. And when they came back from Turkey, she, because she was observant of what was going on with science in Turkey, brought back the science of inoculation, which eventually led to the eradication of smallpox. Uh, some writers claim that she saved more lives than any person in history. And she also liked to look good, apparently. And she also had a sense of humor. And she's also touching on the fact that a lot of us just like to be told those little lies that help us deny reality kind of day to day, don't we? Yeah. Uh, you can tell me I look good anytime you want to. We make those little compromises uh, of the truth for the sake of love, don't we? Paolo Coelho is actually, an, uh, he's a novelist I don't like. Um, I, 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 as a person, I'm sure he's fine, uh, but I, it's a rare thing that I start a book and quit. And I started to read a novel of his last year and quit. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. He says, telling the truth and making someone cry is better than telling a lie and making someone smile. I'll bet a lot of you don't like that quote. Right? Stands in tension with the other one. That way, well, sometimes we just fib a little to get by in life. But here's the deal. Probably all of us have some point in life where there is some truth that we feel like we can't compromise. And we get to that point of tension where we've been used to not saying this important thing. And somehow then this important thing comes up. It might be, no, 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 here's what I believe. It might be, you shouldn't treat that person that way. We let those kind of things go sometimes. And I think it's true of all of us that there may be a point where in the name of truth, we set aside our desire to be loving and we say, mm, enough. Or at least we feel like, ooh, I wish I, I wish I had. That tension between truth and love. Gene Islesley Clark is a parent educator, writes some books, does some letters. This isn't truth and love, but it is the truth about love. I love you no matter what you do, but do you have to do so much of it? <laughs> Probably you say that to yourself, or you think it, maybe every day. Why? Because we interact with people. And we have to sort out this business of telling the truth, but being loving, and maybe not telling, or whatever, how do we, we, we are working those kind of things out in relationship. If we are a hermit someplace, if we are sealed off from people, uh, we might be able to get by uh, with it, but we struggle with this business of working out truth and love in relationships, and we strive to strike a balance 
of who we are with one another. Right? Are we truthful with one another? Are we loving with one another? Not always intention, not always a matter of tipping the balance back and forth, but sometimes. And probably you have your bias. Probably you think of yourself as a truth person, or you think of yourself as loving. And maybe it depends on the situation, right? Uh, we're, we're a little bit of each, and we're kind of striving to figure that out. If our bias is towards love, if our focus is on love, we will say things like, well, I'm just being honest. I'm just being real with you. I'm just keeping it 100. No. But without love, the truth can be brutal, right? We use that phrase, the brutal truth, brutally honest. It is true for people who focus on love, or when we all focus on love, that it's probably because we have standards. And some of those standards are absolutes, and they undergird who we are. Without those standards, we stop being who we are. So, of course, we want to maintain that truth. We want to maintain those standards. We want to maintain those absolutes. It's also true that absolute standards can enslave us. And they can lead us to express ourselves counterproductively, where we speak our truth in a way that it just won't be heard anyway. But when our focus is on love, we're striving to maintain the peace, trying to strive to maintain everybody getting along, we're trying to maintain a, a decent digestion, you know. Certainly all that. It is the day-to-day -day grease on which the wheels of society manage to turn. But without truth, love can become superficial and neglectful. And brothers and sisters, here's the deal. Getting along is not the same thing as love. Can be, but sometimes definitely isn't. This balancing act between truth and love. So that phrase from the letter to Ephesus is not a complete sentence, is it? Speaking the truth in love. I tend to stop there. I tend to focus there because of those two words. But there's more here, right? Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way. The Spirit is not static. The Spirit is on the move. The Spirit is about maturing our faith. Jesus said we need to be childlike, and we can talk all about that. Paul said, be careful about being childish. Right? There are ways in which being childlike is a wonderful, powerful, blessing thing. It is our entry into the reign of God. There are ways in which being childish is a kind of spiritual immaturity that stunts who we are before God. The Spirit seeks to move us 
to be dynamic, to help us mature. But the sentence still isn't over, right? We are to grow up in every way into Christ. For the Christian, Christ is indispensable. Christ is necessary for our self-understanding. He is unavoidable. His example, his teachings, his life, his death, his abiding presence. All that it represents to us. There are more things, I'm sure, that could be added to that list. But our focal point, the thing that draws us to maturity in faith, is that it looks to Christ. Is that Christ and our understanding of what Christ means becomes the filter, the lens, the means by which we understand who we are and whose we are before God. Here's the real essential about letters in the Bible they have really long sentences. If you read your English translation, you'll actually see periods in places where there aren't any, because it's still one really long sentence. Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Christ, who is the head. Looking to him is looking to his example, but it's also drawing authority from that example. It's understanding that if, to the degree that we understand what Christ is about, is the degree to which we seek to shift who we are, to allow a maturing of who we are, to the model, to the example, to the teaching, to the will of Christ. Authority and God. The one who makes a difference in how we live. Who, if we are focused on the brutal truth, draws us to love? Who, if we are focused on the wishy-washy of lovingness, draws us to truth? Brings us to the place where we live out our truth, but in love. Who is the head of the body? You know, the other place to have gone about essential things in the letters is the use that Paul does in Romans and in 1 Corinthians of the church as a body, where he envisions it as being a diverse thing that is nonetheless unified. An ear is not an eye, but they are a part of the body. And he says, almost comically, an eye cannot decide because I am not an ear, I am no longer part of the body. We come to know Christ in the presence of one another. We come to understand Christ and to mature in Christ when we work together, when we are part of the body. And here's the other thing about being part of the body. We are stuck with one another. We don't get to, uh, I'm a pinky, I don't like being here anymore, I'm out of here, right? Um, we are different. My pinky doesn't like my little toe. Tough. We're part of the body. I don't like that church down the street. Part of the body. It means we have to work things out. The, the image, <laughs> the sentence continues, uh, 
from whom the whole body is joined together and knit together in every limb, every part working properly to promote the body's growth and building itself up in love. I left out a couple phrases. <laughs> but it's that image, that metaphor extended, that there are ways in which we are different for a purpose. And ligaments, we have these connective tissues. The word ligament and the word religion, religion, come from the same Latin root. The things that bind us together, the things that hold us together in a way that helps us move together, be together, grow together. Hmm? You know what it's like when you've strained a ligament. Things don't work. That leg just isn't going to hold you up. This image of the body. We are different, but we are one. We are not the same, but we are joined. We have different purposes and perspectives and uses, but it's towards one whole. And we are stuck with one another, whether we like that or not. This is a total digression, but this is, anybody recognize her? Ah, Sabrina Unescu, who is the greatest collegiate basketball player ever, male or female. Over 2,000 points, going to get 1,000 assists before she's done, going to have 1,000 rebounds before she's done. No collegiate basketball player comes close, male or female. Just had to put that in. Just had to put that in, uh, a body that is working together rather well. So um, we are part of a larger communion known as the Disciples of Christ. Because here's the deal about being in the body and recognizing that we are in the body and seeing our diversity and understanding our unity. There is still no guarantee that we will see things the same that we will understand things the same, that we will work together efficiently. The body may limp. I think particularly in our tradition for good and ill. We don't have creeds. We don't have mandatory statements of faith, mandatory doctrines. We have mottos. We have bumper stickers, I guess. Um, and there's things about that that are good, right? There are doctrines that are not even part of the Bible that have divided the church horribly, right? Because we haven't been able to figure out how many angels dance on uh, the head of a pin, or we haven't been able to sort out uh, whether or not the Father and the Son have homoousios or homoiousios. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Of course you don't. But it also leaves us weak sometimes. It sometimes leaves us wishy-washy to have mottos and this and that and all that freedom. Well, here's a motto that we uh, inherited from a German Baptist, of all things, a long time ago. We think. We're not even sure he said it. Um, but it goes like this. Some of you know it. It's in our hymnal at 521, but we don't do hymnals in this service. Uh, uh, in Essentials, unity. 
in non-essentials, liberty, if you know it, say it with me, uh, in all things, charity, right? Um, attributed to. <laughs> uh, I was going to uh, take some time to unfold that and to talk about the different elements of that and, and to try to tease out some of the dynamics here, but um, I'm not going to do that. Here's what I want to do. I want to ask you a question. Of these three phrases, which one's more important to you? Which one matters more to you? Which one are you drawn to? Before you leave, tell your neighbor which one. And tell them lovingly.